Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Christy Rojero. Christy has worked in the nonprofit sector since 1997 in the animal welfare field since 2004. At Philadelphia area organizations, she managed mobile spay-neuter programs, built community coalitions, wrote and managed grants, and developed and implemented multi-year targeted feline spay-neuter plans, resulting in municipal animal shelter intake reductions of up to 40% in areas of focus. Christy also worked extensively on model TNR legislation for local municipalities and on several community cat initiatives to expand training opportunities and TNR resources for community cat caregivers. At national conferences such as Animal Care Expo, Alley Cat Allies National Conference, and Best Friends National Conference, she's spoken about new approaches to community cat outreach and legislation. In addition, she managed the Pets for Life Camden program, providing access to veterinary services to the beloved pets of people living in some of the most underserved neighborhoods in the country. Her efforts in Camden led her to be hired by HSUS's National Pets for Life program, where she worked until joining the Jackson Galaxy Foundation. Christy serves on the advisory board of the Harcum College Veterinary Technology Program, and she and her husband are the proud parents of several indoor cats and a small colony of community cats. Christy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Wow, what a tremendous uh, resume you have there. You've been involved for a long, long time, and I just was wondering if you could tell us uh, specifically, how did you get started in this business? Uh, I got I got started as a volunteer, I think as most people do. I was interested in cats specifically, and my veterinarian at the time focused only on cats, and I started working at her office a few hours a week as an administrative volunteer, and just started learning about the ins and outs of veterinary medicine and veterinary offices. And then Best Friends actually came through Philadelphia doing a, a series of town halls. I guess they were doing them across the country. And I went to the town hall and the Alliance for Philadelphia's Animals was set up there trying to recruit volunteers and they needed an administrative director. And I said, oh, that sounds like something I can do. That's just where it started. How would you, would you recommend that folks sort of jump into it if they're interested in getting involved with helping community cats? Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, nobody goes into this knowing everything that, that you need to know. And typically the people that I, I work with and that I meet through my through my work have no experience and just starting out calling me and asking for information and learning the ins and outs of just setting a trap or anything like that, it tends to really spark their interest in in helping cats more in general. So starting out just with the basics is great. And I don't think you need any professional training to do it. I think you need to just find someone who's willing to work with you and you learn as you go and then do best practices. It's pretty easy. Um, In your bio, you mentioned that you were involved with working on a mobile spay neuter clinic um, that's sort of near and dear to, to my heart. The Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, we operate two cat mobiles. Uh, so we have our two mobile spay neuter clinics. Uh, I was just wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about your experience working with a mobile spay neuter program. Um, it was really amazing. Um, it was some of the earliest spay neuter outreach that I did, and I made all the mistakes and learned all the things that I should be learning while I did it. Um, the, with the Alliance for Philadelphia's Animals, we rented a spay neuter clinic from a shelter in New Jersey, and they would come over to Philadelphia to different areas of the city that had no easy access to veterinary care. So, you know, in Philadelphia, 
Philadelphia, a lot of people don't have cars. You know, it's sort of like New York or any other big city. It's easy to get around on public transportation or to walk places. There's nothing affordable in the areas that we went to. Um, and we knew that there were a lot of intake issues to the, the animal control shelters from those areas. So we picked community centers and rolled the mobile clinic up to those and recruited volunteers to do everything from admin to watching the cats in recovery. We hooked up with Harkham College Veterinary Technology Program and had advanced nursing students coming in and doing all the monitoring of the cats with their professors and emergency technology vet, vet techs came in and, and came in to teach the students. And I don't know, it ended up becoming this massively amazing community experience for everyone who volunteered. And then to give access to the people in those communities to vet care, sometimes for the very first time was really rewarding. And um, it went on for years. It was a really great program. Does it continue today or is it not going? It doesn't. The Alliance disbanded several years ago. Um, when I left when I left the Alliance, I brought the program to my other job. And then uh, I went to work for another shelter, you know, sort of as you go from place to place. Um, and I don't believe that the mobile clinic continued in Philadelphia because it really didn't end up continuing to be needed because a lot of brick and mortar, low price, easily accessible clinics started opening up all over Philadelphia, um, which is great. So in a lot of the neighborhoods, and actually exactly the neighborhoods that we were working in, now there are standalone clinics that people can easily get to and they have great outreach and um, people can get all their needs met there. So what's, what's it like for community cats in the Philadelphia area or any of the other communities you've worked with? How, how has the uh, overpopulation situation changed um, in the time that you've been working in, in those regions? Um, the population has started to become managed. I think in, in the beginning, when I started working in Philly, really with a, with a big focus on cats, there was no coalition. There was no real understanding of TNR at the city level. Um, a lot of groups were doing things, you know, under the radar at night, undercover, um, and hiding in the shadows to try to help the cats. As time's gone by, the major animal organizations, you know, Animal Care and Control Team in Philadelphia and PSPCA and PAWS, like all these different organizations have embraced TNR as being the best and most humane way to control the population. So they started investing in having veterinarians who would be able to work on TNR clinics and having multiple opportunities for free and very, very low cost spay neuter for colony caregivers to actually go to animal control, which isn't something you would normally think of. I'm going to bring these cats to animal control. You know, our normal feeling would be, oh no, they're going to die. But this is animal control saying, bring them in today, come pick them up tomorrow. They'll be fixed. They'll be ear tipped. So you have that kind of cooperation that something that even 10 years ago you didn't see. And Best Friends has come into Philadelphia at this point and they have a community cat project as well. So they're really making a big impact and I, the city embraces it. It's it's a really big change just in a very short period of time. It's, it's really encouraging. Do you have any sense on the, on the numbers? I mean, in New England, we've seen very easily drops of 50% over a three-year period in areas where we focused on very aggressive spay-neuter. Uh, have you seen those kinds of numbers in the areas that you've worked in? Yeah, if the targeting's done appropriately, the numbers can get up to that level. I think just sort of going willy-nilly around to any area isn't super helpful. So in Philly and in a lot of the other areas I worked, we you know would really take a look at the intake data and say, okay, where are the hotspots? Where are the streets that these are coming from? We get down to not just zip code level, but actual street level, which ends up becoming a lot more useful because you can then go into you know this particular block. You know, Pine Street has X number of intake, and these are majority 
majority feral cats being brought in, or these are owner surrenders, you know, and you can determine, okay, what is the actual issue on that block? Why are there so many cats? And even down to a house level saying, okay, this one house brought in 10 cats and seven of them were under six months of age. So we've got a mom and a dad that are, you know, procreating and what can we do to help, you know, an individual person, an individual block, what type of resources are needed? And that definitely bring leads to a big in, increase in spay neuter and a huge decrease in intake. It's a difficult way to do it, but it's really the only way that works. You have to get down there on the ground level and work with people as individually as you can. I understand that you used to work with the Pets for Life program. Can you just tell us a little bit about that and your interest in working with the underserved populations? Pets for Life, I started working with uh, several years ago. I met them at uh, an HSUS convention, I think in Vegas. And I think that like a lot of people um, several years ago, and I think there's been a a big sea change since then, but my feeling was, well, if people are too poor to be able to afford to feed their dogs properly or too poor to get vaccines for their cats, then should they really have pets? And this was, you know, a prevalent attitude. With the Pets for Life program, I got a 180 about how I thought about things, which was everybody wants love in their life. Everybody who has a pet loves their pet or, you know, 99.9% of people are really attached to their animals. And just because they don't have a million dollars or maybe can't bring the same level of care to an indoor cat that you or I might be able to do, doesn't mean they love that cat any less. Um, If that cat's living outside, doesn't mean they don't love that cat. It might mean that there's an issue with fleas with that cat and they don't have access to really good flea control to be able to bring that cat inside. So it sort of changed my entire opinion about how you would work in underserved areas. And it it blew my mind. And I started, I applied for a grant and uh, a mentorship program and, and was able to get it to do work in Camden. And it was the most incredible experience, I think, of my professional life doing outreach in Camden with Pets for Life. That's excellent. It's a great program and they're doing um, phenomenal work. And it really is the next level of, of our focus looking ahead. We spend so much time on offering low-cost spay-neuter resources because that has been our focus, I would say, for the last 15 years in looking at overpopulation in our shelters locally. And now that we have this vast population of cats that have been spayed and neutered either through a low-cost clinic or through a feral cat mash style clinic. These guys, they're getting old, you know, and they're going to need supportive care. They're always going to need some form of supportive care. I find that cats tend to be pets of the poor. You know, we need to be able to provide more supportive services for cats on an ongoing basis. And as they get older, I mean, we were, I always had a conversation the other day about dentals um, and how are we going to deal with dentals for this population of cats? They're going to all need them, you know, once they're getting older. It's a big issue. (laughs) Dentals. Definitely. It's, and, and you feel terrible when, if you don't have the resources to be able to provide that. So, you know, like in, in Pets for Life, there's a financial limit to what any of the organizations can provide. So, I mean, the focus is always spay neuter first, because in really underserved, under-resourced areas, while 80% of the general population in the United States, their pets are fixed, it's, you know, it's 20% of the of the pets are fixed in and less in the underserved areas. Sometimes it's just 10%. So, you know, we focus on that first. We focus on the basics of you know, vaccines, rabies vaccines, parvo, you know, especially in Philly was really prevalent in in certain areas. And, you know, just not being able to get access to a vaccine that could save a dog's life, you know, it it causes such heartbreak to not be able to do that when it's, you know, a few bucks and you can can save this dog or prevent an illness. As as time would go on, we would see, okay, there's 
there's this issue, there's a, a big cyst growing on their face, there's, you know, an injury. And sometimes you just sort of have to come up with creative thinking. But yeah, dentals end up being uh, something that's not always within the realm of possibility to do. And I mean, for example, in Philadelphia, we had a partnership with the University of Pennsylvania Veterinary School. So even, even in a situation where maybe your own organization can't provide a particular service, if you're lucky enough to be in an area where you have a university or you have a really good relationship with private practice veterinarians, they'll come in and they'll do really, really reduced cost things for you. So we had a, a cat with a double entropion, you know, we had to do surgery on and we got it for a hundred dollars. You know, that's something that you wouldn't normally see, but we were able to help that person's cat, which is really amazing. Yeah. And there's so many, there are definitely different options to get assistance on our website. And I'm sure that on their many other websites, there are listings of different ways to try and fund any medical needs. But I do think that that's an area where we need to expand in support, looking ahead at our community cats and what their needs are going to be going forward. I think pet food banks are a really big thing too. That's one of the things I'm seeing in my work with Jackson Galaxy Foundation is getting access to cat food for community cat caregivers has is really, really a big need. And I think that's something that as a field, we need to try to put some focus on it. How can we, you know, we have pet food banks for people who own their cats you know, and you have to come in and maybe provide proof that they're spayed or proof that they're vaccinated or, you know, one thing or another. But for community caregivers, you're not going to, they're not your pets necessarily. You know, in most places, they don't count as owned pets. So they're not technically eligible for a lot of the food pantries. So I think coming up with a way to consistently be able to provide a food assistance for community cat caregivers, especially in underserved areas, because there are so many people living in underserved, under-resourced areas who care for community cats and are giving their own dinner to feed the animals outside. You know, I'll go around and there'll be a, a pie tin of rice and beans and some chicken that was their dinner that they're sharing with the cats. And is that ideal cat food? No, but they're doing everything they possibly can. And can you imagine what a bag of food would mean for them and for the cats that they're caring for? You know, so I think that's a, it's a really big area we need to look at as well. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Flashlight tag was fun when you were a kid, but no one wants to play hide and seek with their trap. Find your trap's location quickly and safely, even when you visit it at night, with the Reveal Wild application for Samsung Galaxy, HTC One, Sony, Xperia, and other Android phones. Or go to tinyurl.com forward slash reveal wild. In your bio, you also talked about that you do a lot of uh, community coalition building. Um, we have a small coalition in Boston called Boston Homeless Cats. It meets four times a year. And we oftentimes have food drives uh, scheduled before that meeting so that then there's food there for the caretakers to take food with them and they know that they're going to have access to that at least every quarter and it also encourages them to actually come to the meeting too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but um what sort of coalition building um, are you seeing down in the Philadelphia area? Um, there's been a lot of work at the animal care and control team to 
um, work with, say, for example, Best Friends with their Community Cat Project, um, where they will be able to, you know, Best Friends will work with several different veterinary service providers in the area, but Animal Care and Control Team is a, is a huge one for them because they, they do have, like, more resources available. They're right in the areas of focus, the underserved areas that aren't really getting targeted by some of, like, the, you know, there's no veterinary care for them. So Best Friends can just bring the cats right over there. Act Filial will have, they have a really good partnership now with people with rescues that are coming in and pulling cats out. Their save rate has gone way, way, way up. Um, I believe that they're in the 80% range at this point. Um, when I started years ago, I mean, it was appalling, this, the situation at, at Animal Control. And now it's it's a place where you go and you know that you can talk to their, their ED and you can actually come up with plans. Okay, yes, we want to come in, we want to do community cat stuff, and they're going to give you support so that you can reduce their intake because they don't want to be killing cats any more than you want to be killing cats. So it's it's nice. I think that the attitudes and the environment are really conducive to life-saving in Philadelphia right now. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you are doing now with the Jackson Galaxy Foundation? The Jackson Galaxy Foundation was founded by Jackson Galaxy. And the goal is to not only help lives of animals at risk, but to also help the people who care for them. So we do a lot of work with shelters and rescue groups all over the country and, and even even internationally to you know give give them support give them training and education about different ways that they can help cats so and dogs it's not just cats even though Jackson's the cat daddy he focuses on all animals that we can assist with the foundation um, one of the big projects we've been working on right now is called cat positive um, and it is positive reinforcement clicker training for cats which makes a lot of people laugh when they first hear it but it is extraordinarily successful and really it's amazing we're taking cats the focus is yeah you can get a cat to do a high five. Yeah, you can get a cat to do a sit or a spin or something like that. But the great thing that's coming out of this program is cats that are sitting in the back of their cage with their heads to the corner or hiding in their litter box or hiding under a blanket or are terrified to be touched. These are cats that with positive reinforcement training have started to come up to the front of their kennels, have started soliciting pets. They want to be touched. They've started meowing at the front of their cage. They they are interested in interacting with the staff and volunteers and adopters. So it's making an amazing difference in, in their well-being, their mental and physical well-being to have a couple of training sessions a day, like 10 minutes at a time, where they get this positive reinforcement for interacting with people. And they're getting adopted. And if they're not getting adopted right away, they're having this much better quality of life there. And it's making them happier. And the volunteers are thrilled and the staff is thrilled. And it's so heartwarming. I know it's I'm going on and on about it, but it's, it's really been an amazing experience to watch these cats blossom with this kind of program. We're really, really proud of it. <laughs> if folks wanted to find out more about clicker training for cats in their own shelter is there a resource for that yeah um they can absolutely send me an email at uh, manager at jacksongalaxyfoundation.org um happy to get them on a list what we're hoping to do is to have classes uh every year where we take a certain number of shelters and um we provide behaviorists who will work with them um like with cat positive we have nine shelters right now that each of them have a animal expert they've done cat clicker training before and um they they get one-on-one -on -one, uh assistance and training from that behaviorist and um yeah we're hoping to expand it we're hoping to do a course on clicker training in foster homes and all sorts of stuff so we're sort of putting shelters on a list to be interested for our upcoming classes 
And we're hoping to share some of the webinars and things like that that we've developed uh, sometime later in the year or early next year. Is there anything else you would like to uh, share with our listeners today? I think just from what you started in, in the beginning of the conversation is don't be afraid to jump into helping community cats. It's some of the most rewarding work you'll ever do. And it's scary in the beginning when you feel like you're all by yourself, but there's so many resources out there and people want to help. So definitely get involved and, and reach out because we're all there to help you. Yes. And if you have cats in your community that you want to know how to help, it's a great way to find out from all of these wonderful interviews that we've had to find out you know, how to help them. And you don't have to walk on past. You'll be able to help that that particular kitty. It's, we've all started out. We all started out with you know that one cat or that litter of kittens. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what what got us sort of all into this game. Christy, I want to thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you. And I look forward to having you back again in the future. Thanks. It'll be my pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Community Cats podcast. If you could go to iTunes and review the show, we'd really appreciate it. When you do, take a screenshot of your review, go to communitycatspodcast.com forward slash review and enter your information and we'll send you a t-shirt. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the ways you can support the content you're passionate about. Thanks, everyone.